Moses spoke of the wrath of God. All the prophets, they too spoke of the wrath of God. When we get into the new covenant in the Gospels, we see that Yeshua, that is our Lord and Savior, the very Son of God, he too spoke of God's wrath, as did Paul the Apostle and many of the other writers of the New Testament. They spoke of God's wrath, but it's not until we get to the book of Revelation, John being the author, that he spoke in some very clear manner concerning the wrath of God and what the wrath of God would bring about. So it's with this in mind that I'd like to bring to you this latest edition of Revelation Shorts. Take out your Bible and look with me, if you would, to the book of Revelation and chapter 15. The book of Revelation and chapter 15. We're going to look briefly at two chapters, chapters 15 and 16. And let me begin by saying this as a way of introduction. I mentioned all these authors in the Bible spoke frequently and clearly. There's the wrath of God. But today, many people who are called Bible teachers that lead congregations, they fail to mention the wrath of God. They avoid anything related to God's judgment. And that's simply not what we are allowed to do. We're called, if you're called by God to share scriptural truth, you have to share all the Bible, not conceal certain things. The second thing that I want to say as a way of introduction is this, and we're going to see examples of this in a moment, and that is God's wrath has no human explanation, meaning this. We cannot attribute it to human activity. It is supernatural. There is no scientific explanation. And it is, is very incorrect and unfortunate that people look at the book of Revelation and they try to explain these things as, well, this will be a nuclear war. This is some modern type of tank or helicopter or fighter jet that 2,000 years ago that people couldn't comprehend. And therefore, it's written in this way. This is false teaching. When we look at the wrath of God, the purpose for it is to show God is great, that he is sovereign, that he is in control, that he is the authority. And therefore, he's not going to use human activity. There is no scientific explanation. Don't look at things that we can, can think about to try to explain what's happening here. It's never happened before. It is supernatural. It's God's hand that is bringing it about, not man and not science. Now, there's another important aspect of God's wrath, and that is when we look at the book of Revelation, what we're going to be focusing in on in a moment, we can look at three, what we might say, three distinct series within the book of Revelation. When I say series, I'm talking about a group of events. We have the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, 
and the bowl judgments, sometimes called the vile judgments, meaning a container. But we have to be very careful. Even though they all are called by man, not by God, but by man, judgment, not all of them represent or are related to God's judgment. And let's deal with the first one very briefly. What's known as the seal judgments. First of all, even though it is Messiah who is breaking those seals, meaning being the one who is worthy, the only one worthy, to open up the book, the scroll, is a better way of thinking of it, in order to read these things for those things to be brought about. Even though he's in control, he's sovereign. He is not the cause. These are not God's events. He's not the source of them. And that shouldn't surprise us because when we look at the first four, they are interrelated. They work together. And the fourth one, who is related to the first three, is called death. When we look at the scripture, the scripture says concerning Messiah that he's come that we might have life. He's not there for death. So the first four seals represent death, and we're told that hell follows after this one called death. This is not where Messiah comes from. He descends from heaven. So the first four, not related to God. Now, the fifth one, just think for a moment. What happens here? People are persecuted. What people? Believers. Those who have a God-pleasing testimony who are related to the Word of God and to Yeshua himself. So Yeshua, God's Son, is not going to, to punish and persecute these individuals. In fact, we need to know something. You need to make a note of this. We are promised in the Scripture that we who have accepted the Gospel we are not going to receive experience or see being in this world the wrath of god why god is going to remove us now unbelieving israel is going to be sealed those tribes are going to be sealed they're going to have to shelter in place but believers the congregation of the redeemed those who have received the gospel we are going to be taken away and placed in heaven when the wrath of God falls, in fact, prior to the wrath of God falling, we will be removed. Now, we have the first four seals obviously related to the enemy, death, and hell falls, follows after him. The fifth one is persecution of the believers. It's the sixth one. That's interesting. The sixth one is a proclamation of the wrath of the Lamb. But it doesn't happen in the sixth seal. Now you say, well, what about the seventh? The seventh seal is the rest of the book of Revelation, meaning this. After the conclusion of the sixth seal, the seventh seal is open. And it's the entire rest of the book of Revelation. All things that are left to happen in the book of Revelation are, con are contained in the seventh seal. Now, in that seventh seal, we find the next two series, the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments. The trumpet judgments do indeed relate to the wrath of God. He's the cause 
of this, but be very careful. The trumpet judgments, they represent, hear this, one-third of God's wrath. A partial outpouring of God's wrath, not in its entirety. It's not until we get to, and now we're ready, look with me to the 15th chapter of the book of Revelation. We find some very interesting things. There it says, in these seven bowls, the wrath of God is made complete. Now, some people, and I may have said this myself, and I want to explain, we often talk about the bold judgments being God's full outpouring of his wrath. It is. But we need to remember, with God, there are no limitations. There are no boundaries. God can do more and more and more. So when it says, the wrath of God is complete, it means the full measure that he desired to pour out according to his purposes. And these seven bold judgments are going to be an end to God's wrath upon the world. Now, what else are we told in Revelation 15? There are seven angels. Why seven? Well, seven relates to holiness, and holiness represents the purpose of God, meaning this. These seven bold judgments that are going to be poured out by seven angels, they represent what's necessary, what has to happen for the purpose of God to be established. The wrath of God puts God's order into place. And ultimately, we understand this as God's kingdom being established. God's kingdom won't come until after God's wrath is complete. We are told that there are four living creatures in heaven. We are told that they are near always the throne of God. And one of these four living creatures, what do they do? One of them, he's the one that distributes the seven golden bowls, these seven golden containers to the seven angels. We should ask, why gold? Well, the basic meaning of gold in the Bible, gold has significance. There is a significance to this wrath, and we've already discussed it. It puts the order of God into place. It will bring about the kingdom of God, the promises of God, the blessings of God to be experienced by the people of God. So there's these seven golden bowls. Now, as they are being distributed to these seven angels, we are told that smoke fills the temple. This is not the temple in Jerusalem, the one that will be in Jerusalem, but we're speaking about the true temple in heaven, the one that was not made with human hands. So it's there where this is taking place. So as these seven angels receive the seven golden vials or, or bowls of, of God's wrath, smoke fills the temple. And we're told that this smoke represents the glory of God. Understand the relationship between the pouring out of God's wrath and the glory of God being manifested. This is why we see heaven rejoice and praise God for his righteous judgment. And then the last thing I want to say about Revelation 15 is this. 
as this begins, we are told that no one, no one, no thing, can enter into the temple until after the wrath of God is completed. Why is this there? To tell us nothing's going to change this. Nothing's going to interrupt this. God's wrath is necessary. It has to be and it will be. So no one can enter into the temple until after these seven angels complete their assignment. Now let's go to Revelation chapter 16. We want to talk briefly about these seven bowls that contain the full measure of God's wrath. What God has designated to fall upon this world. The first one. The first angel pours out his, his bowl. And what happens? There are, are loathsome and grievous sores that's placed upon the people. Both men and women. Both young and old. Now, what people? Well, we're told specifically. Those who have taken the mark of the beast and those who worship the image of the beasts. Those who have received this, this empire, a connection, an allegiance to the empire and the ruler, the Antichrist. These are going to be the ones that initially, when that first bowl is poured out, they are going to begin suffering intensely through these sores, these blisters or boils that, that plague their body. Now, the second bowl is poured out, and it says it's poured out upon the sea. Now, most scholars believe that we're not speaking about one particular sea like the Mediterranean Sea, but we're talking about the ocean, all oceans. In other words, salt water. And when this bowl is poured out upon the sea, it says all the water, meaning all salt water, is going to be turned in an instant. Great example. Man can't do this. There's no scientific explanation for this. It's God. God manifesting himself, that he's all-powerful, that he's sovereign, that he controls everything. And what he says will be. We're told that the seawater is turned to blood, but the blood of an old dead man. Now, a dead man, that blood is stagnant. It will have a stench. It doesn't serve any purpose. It doesn't clean the body. It doesn't give life to the body. As the Torah says, the life is in the blood, not of a dead man's blood. It represents death. And what happens? We're told that all the creatures in the sea, I believe all the seas, all the oceans, in a moment, they will die. Let's move to the, the third, the third bowl. The third bowl is also poured out, but here, not as the second one was upon the oceans, but it's poured out, specifically it says, upon the rivers and the springs. Most scholars believe we're also talking about lakes. In other words, fresh water. And what happens? All fresh water is turned to blood. Not the blood of a dead man, but simply blood. 
And this has a message. This vile, vile that's poured out is for the purpose of vengeance, to avenge the death, the blood, according to the language of the text. But it means the death of the saints and the prophets. Very significant that there's an emphasis upon prophets, always in the book of Revelation. And this should inform the reader, that means you and me, the importance of prophecy. Not ignoring it, but learning it, studying it, and if you're a teacher, how important it is for you to teach prophecy. So the third one is poured out upon the rivers and the springs, including the lakes, for the purpose of announcing God's vengeance upon the world in order to avenge his saints and his prophets. Now we're ready for the fourth bowl. It's poured out. And what happens? Well, this one's poured out upon the sun and it causes fire and heat to come and to scorch man. Again, human beings, both male and female, young and old. So they're going to be suffering intensely because of this heat. And it's interesting. You would think after seeing the death that takes place in all the seas. Similarly, we're not told this, but presumably death in all the rivers and the lakes. Witnessing this, experiencing this pain of sores in the first bowl, first bowl. You would think now with this intense heat and fire that is scorching people, that people would say, I'm sorry, God, but they don't. What did they do? They blaspheme God, the character of God, the name of God, and they will not repent. Now we're ready for the fifth bowl. The fifth bowl is poured out upon the throne of the beast. Remember, the beast represents this empire that's the significance of that term the beast represents a government an authority an empire so it's poured out upon the throne of the beast and what happens well we're told that darkness comes and once again darkness no human explanation no scientific explanation how darkness will cover the 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 world but there's something also unique. Now, if we would just turn off all the lights, we couldn't see, but it doesn't hurt. We may be afraid of the dark, but it doesn't hurt. This darkness is unique. It says because of the darkness that, that people will gnaw their tongues, meaning they'll bite their tongues in pain because of the suffering that this darkness from God brought about upon them. No scientific explanation. And now we're ready for the sixth bowl. We are told that it is poured out upon the Euphrates River and it dries up. Now it's dried up and it makes a way, a way for traveling for the kings of the east. And just doesn't mean the kings, but presumably the context means their armies. And notice that there's something going to be supernaturally evil. Why? 
because as it speaks of this river, the Euphrates being dried up, the kings of the east, presumably their armies coming, it says also there's going to be three unclean spirits, kind of like an unholy trinity. And we see here that these unclean spirits are going to, to resemble frogs. And it says one unclean spirit comes out of the mouth of the dragon. That is, it has a satanic, satanic context. The other one comes out of the mouth of the beast, meaning out of this empire, and it's uniting these together. And the third one comes from the mouth of the false prophet. Now, whether the false prophet is a reference to the Antichrist or we're speaking about two, there's the Antichrist and the false prophet, that's for another study. But we know that these, these unclean spirits, they are related to Satan, the Antichrist empire, and the false prophet. And once more, all of this sets the stage for something. And what's that? Well, this sixth bowl being poured out is also where the battle of Armageddon is mentioned. God's going to bring these armies, these kings from the east to Armageddon. That is the valley of Jehoshaphat, the valley of where the Lord judges. And this is going to be a, a very big climax with God's wrath being poured out upon those at Armageddon. Now we're left with just one more bold judgment, and that's the seventh and final one. Now, what are we told there? Well, the language is very significant. Now, in order to understand the book of Revelation, you need to know the Old Testament, both the law and the prophets. At Mount Sinai, the children of Israel arise, arrive there, and when, and we read this in Exodus chapter 20, immediately after the speaking forth of the Ten Commandments in Revelation chapter, excuse me, in the book of Exodus chapter 20, there's an event. It says here that the earth shook. We are told that there was noise, that there was sounds, there was the, the lightning, and thundering and fire and earthquakes this took place at mount sinai signifying a change that god wanted to bring about but the children of israel they rejected this they stood at a distance they would not heed the instructions of moses and that moment that could have been glorious was lost now, in the book of Revelation, several times we see the same imagery, these same things being, being spoken of. John wrote them down, and every time that they're mentioned, it's to foreshadow a change that is coming. And that's what we see at the end of God's wrath. Again, the seventh bowl, what happens? There is noise, there is thundering, and there is lightning and there is an earthquake an earthquake that shakes the earth in fact the scripture says it is so powerful there has never been one like it previously and this earthquake will bring judgment on a city that great city great in evil not in good called babylon babylon as we've spoken of is used symbolically for the capital
of the Antichrist empire. It doesn't necessarily speak to ancient Babylon or modern Babylon. We're speaking about simply the headquarters of the Antichrist empire. It's going to have judgment, and we see that the cities of the nations, most scholars believe we're talking about large cities, they are going to be destroyed. Also, the, the, the islands are going to be cast away, meaning this. There's going to be a total judgment. Also, we're, we're told in this seventh bold judgment that hail falls. This hail the size of a talent. Now, a talent is a weight, a measurement. Now, if you look, you'll find different uh, weights given. Some will say in the neighborhood of 25 kilos, that is around 58, 60 pounds. Some put it at up to 100 pounds, meaning 130 to 58 kilos. So anyway, we're talking about a large hail. And once again, this is what we find. What do the people do in the midst of this? Instead of humbling themselves, asking for forgiveness, seeking God's mercy, repenting, what do they do? They blaspheme God. And this is why God's wrath has to come. Because there are those who are continuously blasphemers, blasphemers of God. They will not repent no matter what. They are tied to Satan, that dragon, they love that empire. They love that city of wealth, Babylon. They are committed to all of this evil. And that's why it's necessary for God's wrath to fall. Well, a short overview of these seven bold judgments that contain the complete measure of God's wrath. What it's going to look at, look like, and what will be the results of these bold judgments being poured out ultimately the kingdom of God is going to be established praise God if you're a believer you won't experience this wrath if you're not yet a believer this is the time to say God I confess my sins I am sorry for my disobedience I am trusting in your son the son of God who went to that tree, who died upon that cross to pay the penalty for my sins, to make sure that all my sins have been judged and now I can experience forgiveness. I believe he died upon that cross and I believe he rose on the third day. Third day, I invite him into my life to be my Lord and Savior. Send me your Holy Spirit that I might serve you under his leadership because I know he's a spirit of truth and I want to walk in your truth when we make a prayer like that we can be assured that we won't see God's wrath but we'll experience the outcome of his wrath his glory forever and ever well I'll close with that until next time and our next edition of Revelation Shorts Shalom from Israel